0: welcome to the hope beyond trauma podcast here we aim to help trauma survivors develop and strengthen their faith and help people of faith develop and strengthen their compassion my name is rhoda hostetler and i am so excited to bring you this podcast Well, hello listeners. Um, tonight I am sitting with some longtime friends of mine who have quite the story um, and they have successfully stayed together for um, a number of decades and raised four children and due to their experience I consider them to be the top people who are in my circle of contacts who are qualified to speak on the subject of parenting after trauma. I'll give it to you guys you guys can introduce yourselves. Feel free to say however much or however little you would like to say.
1: Okay, I'm Patty, and
2: I'm her husband Pat.
1: And I'm not even sure how to start this yet, but um, I guess I would start with my where I was raised. I was raised in a military home. Um, My dad was a lifetime career military army um, sergeant major, and so I lived a lot on military bases growing up. My mom and dad met in Germany when my dad was in the army, um, but my dad um, was going to be drafted into the army through the Vietnam War, and he ended up um, joining. And that's how my mom and dad met. My mom and dad had their first child. My mom was 17. Uh, She had another child at 18, um, another child at 19 that had cerebral palsy, and then she had my sister who was born four years later. And so by the time she was 21, she had four children. So um, that put a lot of stress on her. And she couldn't handle life. She couldn't handle us children, and she ended up leaving and leaving us four children. Um, so I guess that was my first um, part of my life where I realized that abandonment was a huge issue in my life that, I felt rejected, I felt abandoned, I felt alone. But I didn't understand it at, at such a young age. I was six years old. So my dad, he decided to put us with my grandmother and she raised us for a little while until my dad married again. And then my stepmom raised us until we were about 16, 17 teenagers, and she went through the same thing when my dad was gone a lot and she didn't know what to do with teenagers. And so she started releasing us too and sending us out into the world. Um, I was 16 when I was on the streets in Saratoga Springs, New York, and alone and scared. But before all of this, there was a lot of other things. Um, When I was 11 years old, I was raped by a neighbor boy because we were always told to go outside, we were told to not come in until dark, and we were being watched, and as children, we were watched on the streets, and so that was a really hard situation for me because my mom told me, do not tell anybody, it's a secret, and you're going to ruin your dad's career, and so as an 11-year-old child, I was carrying this huge burden of being dirty and being alone and being um, not wanted, abused, and thinking uh, I didn't belong in this world. And then at 15, I was also raped again by a date rape, and that was another thing where I felt dirty. And I just wondered sometimes when I was growing up, why am I here? Why do I exist? What was the purpose? What's the purpose of my life? I don't know.
2: I just, uh, I think it's interesting that we were married a number of years, about five years before any of this came to light. Uh, After Patty had our second child um, by herself because I was in the Navy, I was gone. Sure that sounds familiar to you after what she just said about her dad. Um she had a struggle with postpartum that led to a, an episode of an attempted suicide. And while she was in the hospital, the doctor there is telling me about all these things that happened, and I had no idea. And here we've been married five years. Wow. So it it's uh, it was so well hidden that I I didn't know about it and if you would have asked me at that point if we had a good marriage, I would have thought that, you know, there were no secrets, you know, it was, uh, it was just kind of a shock. As a matter of fact, uh, to confirm it, I actually drove all the way to New York from Connecticut on a weekend to talk to her, uh, to her father to try to discuss what, what happened because I just didn't know. It was, mm-hmm. it, I was just totally ignorant.
0: Wow. So the way you've raised your four kids now, like you've been involved in church work. Um, Pat, you were a church leader for some time to go from a military background um, with some abuse and abandonment um, and a father who is providing but is absent. And so the workload is on the mother to raising your kids together and running a business together and being involved in church together. You have somehow had to learn a whole different way of parenting did you read books did you listen to sermons what were your go-to sources
1: of wisdom to make this family change well when my children are little I didn't even know how to be a mom I didn't have a mom role model in my life I I was after I married Pat he was gone I didn't have family because my mom My moms didn't want me, and so I had my first child, and I was just like, "Wow, what do I do with this little girl?" And I remember being so afraid to raise her because I didn't understand how to raise a child, and so it was a very scary time. And then, as Pat said, um, when he went out to sea, I had Kyle by myself, and so. That was another thing for me, it was another trauma in my life that I was having a baby by myself and I didn't, I was alone, I was, I felt so abandoned. And so it seemed like when I went through the postpartum, it seemed like I just, everything came to a surface, like everything about my life came to, to the end of itself and I just thought my children would have been better off without me. And so I tried to take my life. I took a bottle of pills and I went down to tell Pat. And, um, and I thought I really thought I was going to die that night. And I remember thinking, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And the next day, Pat ended up taking me to the hospital and, I, and they admitted me into a mental ward for three weeks. And that's where I found Jesus. I found Jesus in a mental hospital. And um, you talk about Jesus being able to come through doors. He came through the door to get me that night. And he wanted me. And it was the first time in my life that I ever felt like somebody actually wanted me. But that's just because I got saved doesn't mean that my life was all hunky-dory because it wasn't. It was a lot of process, a lot of counseling, a lot of working through the pain of my mom leaving and then my stepmom kicking me out and Pat leaving and um, the rapes, everything needed to be healed. And so um, in the process of time, God took me through a lot of counseling and he helped me, especially I remember the theophistic healing where they made me go back into the pain and find out how to forgive, and where Jesus was in that. And that was my, I would say, the pinpoint of my healing was there. And from when I found Jesus, then I could then go on to parent.
0: So, like, asking Jesus, what were you doing when this rape happened? What were you doing when I was abandoned?
1: Like, um, one of the the things I remember... um, the counselor asked me to go into the room where I was being abused by my mom. And it was so dark. It, would, it was a place that I locked. And when he asked me to go into that room and work through it, Jesus was holding me. And then when I look at that room now in my heart, it's light. The shades are up. There's flowers in the room and it's light. And the same thing with The rapes, there's flowers outside the car. There's, there's, um, there, the one time it it was through a voice that Jesus was calling me. And, um, so a lot of this, I'm just amazed on how good God is and how much He's, He's helped me in my life to find healing. And that's where I can parent is through the healing and then forgiving the person that had hurt me so badly.
0: I can imagine it would be really, really hard to parent well, to parent calmly and with wisdom
1: if you were just seething with rage and vengeance. But I did. Um, even after I had Jesus, there were times when, I remember one time I was very angry with one of my children and I said, I said, God, what's wrong? And he he just said, do you want to send your children to hell? Just that plain of a voice. Because I was so angry. And I do. And he said, they're going to learn what you teach them. And you know, the scripture that came to me that day was, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart. Well, if I'm training them angrily, they're going to be angry. If I'm training them with love and grace, they're going to have love and grace. Your kids do have love and grace. So something must
0: have stuck. Um, that's fascinating that you mentioned that the, the pivotal point for you was pursuing healing. Because when I interviewed Dale and Faith a few weeks ago on what, the, what some of the core issues are in marriage after trauma, it was that by the traumatized person pursuing healing, that in itself builds up the relationships.
2: Yeah, I remember the first time we went to counseling, we were struggling in our marriage. We weren't exactly sure why. I knew it had something to do with her mother because it the, kind of started at a Mother's Day sermon where she was just just not at all herself. We went to a prayer room. She couldn't get free. And uh, There were some questions asked her, and her responses were not at all Christian about her mother. And I'll, I'll save you the details. But, uh, um, you know, through that, we, we, we both, when we headed there, I'll never forget it, we, we committed. It was kind of a long drive to this counseling area, or the place where we counseled. And uh, we both committed that we would do whatever it would take to help with the problem. That was something that we committed to. And we had no idea what that was at the moment. You know We didn't know that it was forgiveness. And uh, something else I want to say is uh, I'll never forget the day that Patty forgave her mother for leaving her. She walked outside and she said, "She said the birds are singing so nicely today, and it's so bright out here. Here, the day hadn't changed at all.
1: Yeah, but just I her had, perspective on it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever heard birds sing in my life until that day, and I was what thirty-five.
2: Yeah, no. at that point, well, I, don't think I think I, I ever, ever heard mm-hmm. the birds sing because she'd been separated from her mother a full thirty years at that point.
0: Wow, wow, that's." that had been her that had been your life Mm -hmm. yeah i've i've heard um other survivors describe that same effect like when not necessarily with forgiveness but with other aspects of healing like when they shake off depression or when when something major shifts and suddenly you're just you're in the same world but you have an entirely different experience in it Mm -hmm. um So, if someone listening is in the throes of it, keep pushing for healing, whatever it takes, and who knows, like, your breakthrough
1: might be a long ways out there, it might also be around the corner. The other thing is, the scars only tell you where you've been, they don't tell you where you're going, and yes, we're going to have scars, and I have scars, but those scars are beautiful now. There was a time when I didn't think they were, but now I feel like they are, and I feel like people can get free, yeah, and yet it's they're still there. So you can use those scars for other people to help other people. Absolutely, that's the thing God does. Um, mm-hmm.
0: I I don't remember the reference right off the top of my head, but that verse about God comforting us in all of our afflictions, so that we can comfort others. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's a there's a book out there called Daddy's Girl, Um that. I had actually a counselor recommend to me because of my my heart was so abandoned. Um, I didn't feel like anyone loved me. And he said, God loves you, and so he gave me this book called Daddy's Girl. you were asking about books, that one, different children, different needs, um, anything on marriage, because my marriage, I I felt like my my past was affecting my marriage, and so we would grab anything we could get at night, and, and we would read, and read, and read, and until we broke through in an area of our life, mm-hmm. and our marriage, and then we'd read some more, and because neither one of us grew up Christian, neither one of us had any background of, um, of Christianity, or even, parent a good parenting atmosphere yeah because pat grew up with a schizophrenic mother and that's that's tough so he's got baggage i've got baggage we brought it into the marriage
0: yeah your marriage was it it could hardly fly because it was so weighed down Mm -hmm. wow um did you ever experience any physical uh responses to your trauma like restless sleep nightmares um Things that really disturbed your sleep to the point where the next day waking up and parenting your children was just an uphill battle. Let me talk
2: that. Yeah, I I don't think she ever did have those those issues. I remember when we first uh, we lived together for a period of time before we got married. I remember when she first moved in with me, she would have like she'd be fighting with somebody in a dream or you know, at, while she was mm-hmm. asleep. And I thought it was the, the man she'd been living with previously that beat her, because I knew he was violent. Ended up later when we talked about it was actually, it was nightmare she was having about her mother abusing her as a small wow. child before she left her. So, you know, that, that's kind of a whole other aspect of this. You know, a mother that abuses a child physically and then turns around and leaves it. It's kind of like a double whammy. You,
0: you get know, the you violence know. and the rejection.
2: Yep. And, uh... And something i want to say too just briefly about that you yep. know there's so much healing that's happened in both of our lives but i see it especially in my wife but there's also every once in a while something will pop up and you have to deal with it at that moment you know um you know in our physical relationship there there'll be something that'll it'll just it'll just show up out of nowhere and here we've been married almost 36 years and and we as those things happen as a husband i I try to note them right away and, and find a way to deal with them. You know, whether it's talking about it or whether it's, you know, why did this bother you or why did that bother you? Try to, you know, try to come up with something that, that shows it. And, and almost always it's, it's based on that past trauma. Now those, that happens less and less and less as, we, as, as time goes on, but it's, it's still happening to this day. And
1: you said nightmares or sleepless nights. That's not me. Mine would be more building a wall. Okay. I might put a wall up so I don't get hurt. And so through the years and through Jesus and through my husband, um, through some friends, I've been able to learn not to put that wall up. Because I could easily put a wall up and just say, stay out of my life. You know, don't hurt me. I'm not going to get hurt again. But I know that life does hurt sometimes. Life is messy sometimes. And so it's not it's not good to put a wall up. It's not right to do that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Because I think of you as one of the most open-hearted people. I, I don't think there's anybody out there who would be too um, down and out for you to associate with or to uppity about themselves, like your friend circle is wide. You have so many friends. You've opened your heart to so many people, um, but that's that's been because God has
1: healed, healed and helped you. And forgiveness is a huge thing for me because I had to really work through forgiveness, mm-hmm. and but now I know that I have forgiven everyone that has hurt me. Um, now I learn to forgive quickly. If somebody does hurt me again, so I learn to forgive quickly.
2: That's that's an interesting thought. You know, situations like with Patty's mother, she has a relationship with her now. Um, That doesn't mean that her mother has ever come to her and said, I'm sorry for what I did to you, because she never has. Yeah. Yet Patty still forgives her. And then even to this day, there are things that her mother, because she has a relationship with her that her mother does that hurts her, so once again, if, if, she, if she's not clear with those first things, then trying to forgive her today for what she's doing. Like sometimes she'll say, all my children, for example, are up here in Ohio. Well, that's not where all of her children are. Her children, there's some that live in South Carolina. There's some that live in you know, New York. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's, once again, it's, it's something that hurts. So she has to choose to forgive you know, even in those things. And, I've, and, it, and it's hard. Because it, it's just another pain, it's another hurt.
1: But I do want to say that I love my mom. And my mom just had open heart surgery, and I was right by her side. And that was so good for me, not just for her. It it healed, it was a healing for me to be right there knowing that I was honoring her.
0: Yeah. That, that has to be a really dicey situation, because... You want to maintain your heart of forgiveness before God and you also have to be wise about your boundaries and at what point is it okay to withdraw and at what point are you withdrawing just due to whatever other reason. Um, What advice would you have to a survivor who has difficulty bonding with young children because they've been through so much trauma that They just, they have a hard time letting those walls down and bonding.
1: I think it's interesting you say, what advice would I give um, to bond with small children? That is something I don't have problems with at all. Small children are, I I am a protector. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I did as a mother, um, when I was raped, I was going down to get the newspaper and the mail. And so, when my children turn that age, my girls especially, I would not let them go to the mailbox. I would protect them. And so, I am a protector for small children. And so, I have a struggle just saying, "What advice would I give?" Because I almost want to reach out to them and just hold on to young children, Mm -hmm. protect them, keep them from harm. Um, There's so many times when something will happen and. A trauma will happen in a child's life and I just, I don't know if it's my mercy in my heart or what, but I just want to, I hold on to it like I can feel it. Like that situation's my situation. Yes, yes. So. You're
0: extremely empathetic. Yes. yes. Maybe that's part of why forgiveness has been such a pivotal point in your story. Um, like if you're gifted in mercy then it you're going to be thinking about
1: Forgiveness, more strongly. Well, I have all the mercy in our marriage. My
2: husband—that's <laughs> not completely true. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. has a vast majority of it. <laughs> uh, you know, and 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 that's sometimes that's a struggle though,
1: because
2: yeah. she has so much mercy that when something happens, say she reads it on Facebook, there's you know, just recently there was a missing girl. You know, Patty was so concerned about that person. That she spoke about her like four or five times a day, and then she wouldn't talk about it for a little bit, and then she'd say so and so, and I'd be thinking, you know, I gotta go through this, this, you know, thought process. Well, which one was this? Was this the one that was up there in Ohio? Or was this the one in, you know, New Mexico? I mean, I sometimes I struggle with it because she she has such a merciful heart, and and it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's just sometimes for me I don't. I don't have that kind of empathy. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons God put us together, is to balance it. And I out. do
1: carry, I carry prayer, like, heavily for somebody that's hurting. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: But as far as little children, I would say, um, someone that doesn't bond with children, I would wonder what's in, in their heart. What, what do they need to be healed in? Because, um there's probably something holding them back because children are innocent
0: and we are wired to like i i think as humans we we gravitate towards those image bearers of god who carry his image really well and children they they do carry god's image Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. um something i have learned is that i have to parent out of love and gentleness and goodness and patience um but sometimes when I have a trauma setback, this gets really hard, and it's easy to parent out of frustration and tension and exhaustion. Um, do you have any advice to that?
1: Well, one, I think if you're going to be frustrated, move away. Okay. Step away from the situation. Go for a walk. Um, find that time to get away from it, to, think if you're, to see if you're thinking clearly and then respond not react because oftentimes we as parents will respond or we will react quickly and we'll do things that we might regret later on but mm-hmm. if we respond because we've taken the time to pray about it or um, think about what's wrong um, sometimes it can be hormones sometimes it can be you're tired, and so to take that out on our children isn't fair.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think um, for me, what God has taught me through the years is step back, look at the situation, and say, "How do I parent with grace, not yeah. with anger, not with not with um, frustration or anxiety or whatever?" And um, that has really been a blessing for me, as far as my children. Now, if you talk to my older children, they would say, Mom mom wasn't a nice mom growing up. Um, sometimes, I, I have so many regrets with that, and I've gone back to my children and said, Sorry, and, and please forgive me. I was wrong. And my children will say things like, Mom, I know. I know you hurt us, but we forgive you. Yeah. And... Then when we adopted Josh and Emily, we wanted them so much. We, and because of our older children, we told our older children, "Well, we adopted because you were so good." <laughs> but um, we ended up adopting because we wanted more children, and and um, we wanted to parent with grace and love, and give Josh and Emily a secure home and and, and a caring home and one full of love i hope (laughs) i think you've done a great job and
0: yeah i like how you describe that it's something like with chris and i when i think about what is motivating me to be interested in adoption it's i want to create a stable home at home with the children i already have i want to create a deeply peaceful home and then i want to share that home
1: well something else to remember is every child has a need we all have struggles in our life um our children that are adopted have different needs that, um, I don't know, you know, they never they never talk about abandonment, but it, it would be something that I would think about if I was adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, we, we um, just a few years ago, Emily went and met her birth mom for the first time. And so we encouraged that. Um, But be careful, like, when you encourage it. Are they of age? Are they able, are they mature enough to handle it? Um, Do they want to, you know? So I think that's important to, if you've got adopted children, to be, be open to letting them explore who they really are and find their identity and their family if it's a safe place. Yeah, that makes sense. Would you say that?
2: Yeah, I was just, I was thinking about the question that Rhoda asked. You know, um, I've I've probably not been the the father that's been home all the time or maybe a little separated from my family because of work and different things. But something I have learned about children, there's two things they always respond to. One, they spell love, Mm T-I-M-E. And then the other thing is that love, has to be unconditional. So, you know, when a child does something wrong, you know, we as adults, you know, think, well, I just need to calibrate that child. I need, you know, <laughs> they're not going to do this again, you know. And maybe the calibration inv- involves raising your voice or grabbing them harshly, or, or something that, that at the moment feels really good to do because you're you're angry. But instead, I, I found I've got children have learned a lot more by just taking them and correcting them but don't don't do it out of harshness or anger or or uh i remember one time i we one of our children had an anger issue and i knew he did and out of his anger he he broke a window in in an angry fit he broke a window
0: oh that's easy to respond to anger with more anger yeah
2: exactly exactly so instead what i said well we're gonna have to fix that What do, we, what do we have to do to fix that? So we ended up calling the person who helped us get our windows and order the replacement. I made him do that. He was old enough at that point to do it. Mm-hmm. He was like 13 or 14. And man, when he had explained to that other guy why he broke it or how it got broke, <laughs> it, 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 it was rough. And then that particular man was a, was, a, was a godly man, an older man, and he had a long talk with him about his anger. And you know that was that went so much better than me freaking out and calling them stupid or whatever oh, you yeah. know and and I've made those mistakes. I don't want to make it sound like I'm perfect, a perfect father. I'm not. Um, but you know I just I think that that unconditional love and time changes people. Mm-hmm. There's no you know, if Patty and I's marriage is struggling, you know what we're missing? time. I hope I have unconditional love all the time for, it, but it's almost always time and it almost becomes, you know, ridiculous where you like we just gotta find some time to get together and lo and behold, yeah. you know, you get that three or four hours or maybe a day together and, and things are well again. Yeah. So.
0: Chris and I you guys know what we've been going through in the past year and we've figured out that our difficult weeks come when we have not spent about twenty hours. So, like, I have to make it a priority in the evenings for my college work to be done, my housework to be done, my business work to be done. Like, evenings are family time. And in that family time, there is some time where the kids know they are not allowed on the couch. Mm -hmm. And I just, my nine years of marriage don't hold a candle to your 36, Mm -hmm. but they would say the same thing that you're saying right now. That, yeah, it's amazing how, what a difference time makes.
2: Yeah, and and just like you just described your life, you have three three big things going on. Mm-hmm. Four big things going on all at once. And what happens is almost all of us get those out of context, out of priority. You know, work takes up too much time, so where do I cut? I don't I don't cut maybe my church life. Instead, I cut my time with my wife or my time with my children. Or, or you know, and it seems like the ones that suffer the most are the ones that you love the most.
0: And that's not fair to them. No, it's, it's not, not
2: fair. fair to them. And then ultimately, you know, like the Bible says, you reap what you sow. If I'm sh- sowing sparingly in my time with Patty, I, I shouldn't be surprised that our relationship is suffering or if I'm not spending enough time with, with my children, I shouldn't be surprised that they have ADD. You're familiar with that?
0: Yeah, a little bit, yes.
2: Absent date daddy disorder. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I'm I've never heard
0: that called no, that. No, but it's,
2: it's it's just, it's something a pastor taught me years ago There was... We were having some problems with one of our children, and he told me it's ADD. And I said, well, that's what everybody wants to put him on medicine. No, he said, absent daddy disorder. Ouch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's st- And he was exactly right. He was exactly, hit the nail on the head. So, you know, at that point, that eight-year-old child started driving me in a service truck. And guess what? Absent daddy disorder went away. And now he's one of my best friends.
0: Mm-hmm. Now that makes me curious. I want to um, pull up some research to see... Like, they've done a lot of studies on fatherless homes. I want to pull up some research research to see if fatherless homes, if the children in those homes have a higher rate of ADD and ADHD.
2: I wouldn't doubt it at all. I mean, all the guys we minister in prison, there's rarely a man that sits at the table that has a father that was present in his life. Wow. That's. I mean, the numbers are off. I think it's like 90% that are fatherless in prison. It's crazy.
0: So if we would if we would do more ministries to mentor and to give young boys a father figure, it could really make an impact
2: for those people. I think so.
0: I think so. Um, as you guys look back over several decades of marriage and parenting, what were um, the top things that you and um, that you guys did to make the parenting journey easier for each other?
2: Another two hours? No, just kidding. I I I think one of the things that we need to realize as husbands is that sometimes, especially if we work, you know, say eight hours a day or ten hours a day, that our wives are not super moms. That they they do need a break. And at the same point, you know, I, I think when you when you decide to have children, parenting is not for the weak at heart. I mean, you have to. The, what you invest, you'll 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 reap. You know. Um, right now, we're watching our youngest grandchild, and she is just she's every day she's learning something new, but every day there has to be training because now she has to have new boundaries. So, it's mm-hmm. so like Patty said the other day, she's reaching on top of the uh, um, coffee table. Well, there's a new boundary, so there's training to do. Yeah. You know, so and I think if you if you train a child up, like Patty said, in those moments, then suddenly child training is not so difficult. What happens is is we neglect child training and now the child spins out of control. Now we've got a huge problem.
0: We've got catch up to do it. exactly a, it's, it's a lot easier to place a boundary and hold it than it is to um, let them go wild, and then try to bring the boundaries Which back.
2: Is consistency. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And years ago, we heard a guy talk about child training looks like a funnel. When they're small, you got the, the small end of the funnel, and mm-hmm. as they get bigger, you open it up. A lot of people make a, mis- a lot of mistakes. They, they, they give a, a small child big, the big end of the funnel. That's a mistake. Or worse yet, an older child the small end of the funnel. Yeah. I, I mean, either one provokes them. So, you know, I I would say that, you know, you know, consistency is a big issue. You know, we're talking about unconditional love.
1: I think, too, um, one of the things I used to do with my younger children is when Pat would come home, I'd put them at the door. Mm-hmm. And I would say, Daddy's home, we'd have a party. And, um, but I was teaching them to connect their yeah. heart to their daddy. And now as they're older, they actually, if we're not here, they'll say, where are you? They'll get a text message or a phone call. Where, where are you? What, what are you doing? And so our children are still connected. And so that's, that's been um, something that I've been watching. But I think also respecting Pat. That has been um, something I want my daughters to do to their husbands, respect their husbands. And so I need to be an example of that to my children. And I think that's a huge key to parenting is our relationship with each other. Yeah. yeah. It gives your kids stability. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And, and to have us both on the same page when it comes to issues. Like,
0: yeah.
2: one of the things that really messes with children is it's not mommy says we can't do that. But daddy says, oh, go ahead. You can do that. Oh, yeah. So So, you know, when you talk about consistency, it's got to be consistency across the board. You know, I remember when uh, I wanted our youngest or oldest son to have a BB gun. Well, that was a big discussion because my wife really doesn't like guns. But, you know, I knew I knew he was at the age that, so we came up with a compromise. He could use the BB gun if I was with him and it was supervised. Mm-hmm. Well, as time went on and Mom got more comfortable with that, when he got a little bit older and a little bit more mature, well, suddenly he can use the BB gun without Mom or Dad with him. Yeah. So, you know, once again, it's that funnel principle, you know, and, and all those, you know, all those things fall together.
1: Another thing to really understand, too, is when you go through hard things, it's not all bad, and I've been trying to teach my children that through the years, teach myself that through the years, is, yes, we might have to go through a hard thing, because life is messy. Yeah. But it makes you stronger in the end. Mm-hmm. And that's something that so many people say to, you know, they why do you have to suffer? Why do we have to suffer? Well, I think suffering in my life personally has helped me grow and be strong. Yes. And um, so I want to teach my children that, that not everything is perfect. Not everything is paradise. Um, I remember Pat and I praying when our first, when Josh, or, when Stephanie and Kyle were little or teenagers, we'd ask God to break them in our home so we could help them go through hardship with them to teach them how how are you going to respond? How do you work through stuff when it's hard? And they did. They, they've they've gone through some really hard things. But and the same with our younger children now. They're they're teenagers now and they're working through things and um so life isn't always easy it's not just because I've been through trauma doesn't mean my life was harder than my children's heart, life is because they're going through different things everybody goes through different hardships and something like I might think oh that's easy or somebody else might say that's hard
0: yeah our our perception of what is hard for us is subjective like if you' if all you've ever been through is say a really nasty church split, I say all nasty church boys can get pretty nasty. Um, then your idea of what a difficulty is is going to be very different than someone who was abandoned um, under the age of ten. Mm-hmm. I do think that different difficulties end up having a different degree of effects um, and a different timeline for acclimating this difficulty into your life but I yeah I understand what you're saying like mm-hmm. even though your kids aren't going to go, hopefully aren't ever going to face anything like what you faced they are still going to face things that require tenacity and they require them to um, be calm mm-hmm. in difficult situations mm-hmm. is there anything else you guys
1: would like to add?
2: I can't think of anything right like this moment.
1: Only thing I'd like to say is, if somebody's out there that's hurting, I'll have coffee with you. You can sit at my table and we'll talk, because life is worth it, even though you've been through hard things.
0: And you guys, I know Patty; she means it. Um, she absolutely would have coffee with you um, across the kitchen table, um, or yeah, if you are really down and out and you need somebody to talk you into hanging on for one more day or one more week. Um, Patty's your girl. Thank you guys so much for doing this interview. Um, I hope that it helps the people
1: that God wants it to help. me too. Thank you for having us. No problem.
0: Thank you for listening today. Whether you are a trauma survivor or someone who loves a trauma survivor, I hope you leave this podcast with an awareness of our good God's presence in your story and a readiness to live his love towards the people in your life.